Forth to the Paschal victim, Christians bring your sacrifice of praise. The Lamb redeems the sheep, and Christ the sinless one hath to the Father sinners reconciled. Together, death and life in a strange conflict strove. The Prince of Life who died now lives and reigns. What thou sawest, Mary say, as thou wentest on the way. I saw the tomb wherein the living one had lain. I saw his glory as he rose again. Napkin and linen clothes and angels twain. Yea, Christ is risen, my hope, and he will go before you into Galilee. We know that Christ indeed has risen from the grave. Hail, thou King of victory. Have mercy, Lord, and save. Amen. Resurrexit, sicut dixit, alleluia. Happy Easter, everyone, and welcome to the Theology of the Buddy podcast, a podcast for Catholics who love tradition and want more of it. This is episode 51. My name is Chris. I'm joined today by my co-hosts, Mike and Brooke. Mike is not here right now, but he will be joining uh, very shortly, we hope. Um, and we're going to be continuing our liturgical breakdown series. Um, but first, we're going to be talking about the modernist changes to the Divine Mercy Novena. So you're not going to want to miss it. Anyway. Oh my gosh. He's here. Hi, Mike. Hey. <laughs> what up? <laughs> we had already started the podcast. How you doing, man? Good. I was wondering <laughs> if you guys would start. Yeah. Me. We, we just You were wondering if Vincent uh, had killed you. Yeah. <laughs> How you guys doing? It's uh, it's been kind of a crazy day, huh? My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> well, other than that one part, it was a great day. Yes. Vincent is having some troubles with bedtime right now. He's learned the concept of rebelling against bedtime and wanting to go out the door. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Just yeah. Time to join a convent, you discerning. <laughs> it's too late for us. Yeah. Save yourselves. <laughs> we love uh, our children and parenting. Yeah. Sometimes it hurts. <laughs> Some sometimes it's, you know, a, a wonderful and like jubilant kind of joy. I'm sure. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, it's kind of like you guys might remember that scene from the Passion of the Christ you guys watched on Friday where Jesus. We didn't embraces. even get to finish it. Do you remember the scene, though, where he embraces the cross? Yeah. Yeah. Where he hugs it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a little bit like that, I'm sure. Right. Um, yeah. Definitely. <laughs> it's, it's kind Iron of like. Ironically or. Appropriately, I don't know if I'm being Alanis Morissette here, but um, we didn't make it to that scene on Friday night because Vincent woke up. Oh. <laughs> we got to the part where Judas hung himself. Oh. Oh. Right. We got to the scourging. Oh, yeah. We got past yeah. Judas. We got to the scourging. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Sometimes parenting is great. Sometimes when you it's ask always, your... It's always great. But sometimes it's easy. Yeah. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes you ask your toddler to go pee 
And you ask her very nicely. And she says, no, 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 I don't want to. It's too boring. Why do I have to go pee? It's just, I, I don't want to. There's nothing to do in there. And oh, you're the worst. <laughs> Half wow. in your bladder is full. Go. That's fine. That's sometimes parenting. <laughs> yeah. And sometimes your baby or, cries for no reason. Yeah. Well, he just kept waking up with burps. And every time he woke up with a burp, he remembered, I don't want to be in this room going to bed. I want to leave. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. So that's why when he finally fell asleep again, I had to stay there in silence for a really long time to make sure he was asleep and got all his burps in. That sounds good. I got through most of the rosary. Yeah, as a parent, you have no excuse to avoid saying your rosary because some days you're literally just sitting there with your child. Yeah. <laughs> it's so easy to just get her done. Yeah. So what were you guys talking about on the podcast? We had just My crippling depression started. and anxiety. <laughs> that just came out there. There it is. <laughs> uh, I'm guessing you guys didn't pray the... Uh, prayer against uh, demonic retaliation this time <laughs> you guys should have been praying at oh my god you, you guys have been dealing with some serious stuff I, uh, as soon as we go to start the podcast i spill tea on everything and then baby wakes up <laughs> too funny yeah too funny everything um, is awesome <laughs> so um, did you guys actually talk about the uh collect no, we haven't no. got, we just literally did the introduction. So, oh, nice. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just wanted to see how you guys were doing. Our Easter was great. I mean, John has <laughs> been, on. John has been crying a lot and like his cry has changed. So it's gone yeah. from like, like regular baby to like, <laughs> it, I'm not going to imitate it, but it's, it's cute. And then it's, and then it gets a little much. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but he's he's incredibly sweet. And Julie's been posting lots of pictures of how cute he is on her Instagram. And I've shared some stuff on her Instagram and whatnot. He's he's just a sweet boy. So mm. we're blessed. We had a delicious, delicious dinner tonight made by Julie. It was like turkey, some pictures of that. turkey and stuffing and all the trappings it was just delicious yeah we so i mean we had to live stream mass so we live streamed vigil last night from saint joseph's oratory um which was beautiful they follow the pre-55 except and i don't know why because they never said anything but they followed the 62 readings which was weird I mean, it makes sense because, I mean, maybe they just didn't want to go for three or four hours um, because that the pre-55 has 12 readings before the gospel hits. Um, we got the 12 readings. You got the 12 readings? Nice. Yeah, nice. so we live streamed the vigil from uh, St. Mary's Oratory in okay. Illinois. Wow. Also, the Institute 
and it was pre-55. And I don't know much about the differences between pre-55 and um, post-55, but uh, they basically followed everything in the PDF that we had. Yeah, that's awesome. Exactly. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, the um, we're actually going to be talking a little bit about pre-55 stuff today. I thought it would be appropriate. Definitely. But the, um, yeah, they did the 62 readings, which, I mean was fair. I mean, I understand the practicality of it. Um, that one was a later start to the mass than ours. Yeah. Ours started at nine. Yeah. So, and it ended around 1145 ish. Um, so yeah, it was, it was good. We actually set up our home altar and, uh, I made a, a little tiny Pascal candle and Catholic LARPing man. It's, <laughs> it's it's the it's the next big thing, um, and yeah. So I, I got a story about that too. Yeah, finish yours first. So yeah, we had the Paschal candle. So I you know made sure that we lit the Paschal candle when they were lighting the Paschal candle in the pre fifty five. Actually, I lit it a little bit earlier by accident. Whoops. <gasps> and I mean, come on, right? Modernist. Um, and, and then uh i also you know during the gloria we lit all the candles we had six candles and uh i had one piece of charcoal left so i put it in my little uh therapy thing and uh, we had incense in our house it made julie cry you're welcome julie um mm. but yeah it was just it was nice i mean yeah, we, we got to participate in a mass that we were familiar with. I mean, that would have been the mass that we were going to go to this Sunday anyway. Um, and yeah, so it was just it was just lovely to be able to see that um, and hear Canon Stein, you know, do the do the prayers and the readings and stuff. So Canon Stein. Yeah. Um, Ever but, since that one Good Friday, I went down and heard his sermon basically a huge Canonstein fanboy. Oh my gosh, right? The guy should write. Yeah. The guy should write books. He is just Yeah. He sounds like St. Alphonsus Liguori, doesn't he? He sounds yeah. like he literally sounds like a saint when he talks. Yeah. He's yeah. such oh. a good preacher. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I and and he's young. Like I think he's yeah. got to be our age. Like he's just Come on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah, good luck right maybe when the maybe when the uh the ban is lifted we'll call them up and we'll say we'll bring the microphones you let us come and sit in your dining room and we'll talk um yeah i think that'd be amazing that'd be awesome yeah but i just want to also like tell you another quick story before you share your catholic larping thing so this morning I uh, so we were decided that we were going to do mass at eleven as well. Watch the mass at oratory for Easter Sunday, and so, and I'm I'm going through the house, and I'm I can't find my dress pants anywhere, like the the dress <laughs> pants that I had worn the night before I had thrown into the washing machine because I went out to get pizza, and well, of course, after you go get go out into the world anywhere you've got to immediately come home and take your clothes off and throw them into the washing machine so they were in there so i'm looking for another pair of pants 
Finally, I find them, but I realize after searching for them for 10 minutes and being like so frantic, where are my pants? I realize I'm having a wardrobe crisis before watching something on TV. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm trying to get yeah. dressed up to watch TV. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm just realizing yeah. how, how, what what dimension are we in right now? <laughs> you know? It's so crazy, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. man. Yeah. Like, we got dressed up at home last night, too, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Brooke put on a nice dress, and I had, like, dress pants and dress shirt on yeah. but i was saying to brooke i was i was almost gonna put on my tie and i got a um a tie bar with uh saint benedict medal from our lady's armory shout out, shout out to nicholas job um who has been on the show and he's a great guy um completely indeed it's gonna be great but yeah i just got it and didn't get a chance to wear it to mass before the shutdown of all the masses. And I've been looking forward to wearing it as a, like, this is the thing I wear on Sundays, a tie with this Benedict medal thing on it. And I was almost going to put it on last night. And then I, I thought, no, I'm going to save it for when I actually get to go to mass again. Yeah. Is, that a, is that the last time we'd been to mass? You had it blessed? And then... yes. The yeah. last time we got actually to go to mass was I had it in my pouch with my rosary and I took it back to Father John and got him to bless it. And then I was like, okay, I'm actually going to wear it next week. And <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got to go to mass since. Yep. Oh. So Oof. I guess it's my fault that everything happened. Um, <laughs> I say that about everything. You don't laugh. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to laugh when it's true <laughs> um, i'm just kidding i don't actually say that just so you know yeah only most things mostly so the larping thing i guess i uh we kind of had a makeshift altar set up on our kitchen island this morning because we decided this morning instead of watching a mass with the kids on the tv we're going to just pray the prayers, basically do dry mass mm-hmm. um, and try to make it different for the kids. Cause when we're live streaming, it's like we're watching TV in their play area. Like how do we expect them to yeah. know what this is or <laughs> know how to act? It's, it's almost not even fair to them to expect anything. Right. They're one and four years old. So so I cleared off the island and cleaned it and put like a plant and a statue of Our Lady and St. Michael. You put a, a plant? Candle, what are you, doing the Amazonian right? Yeah. The, uh, <laughs> hey, you should have seen the uh, altar at the Institute Church. It was covered in plants. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you're all lilies come on yeah 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 yeah, yeah. so that's kind of what i was trying to hearken to like you put flowers on the high altar on easter sometimes anyway so i put a plant there behind (laughs) the crucifix and the candle and the statues and then i just put chairs yeah like facing toward the island and 
we went through all the prayers and the mass. We sung a hymn and went through the prayers and then did the dry mass thing basically. Yeah. I don't know if we did it a hundred percent right, but what we did was when we got to the offertory, we just basically skipped all the way down to Ite Misa Est. Yeah. That's yeah. it. There's there's actually a document for how to do a dry mass. Yeah. I've read some of the like articles and stuff about it before, but I didn't yeah. actually strictly reference them this morning. No. I just pulled up the mass stuff on Laudate and went through it until I got to the prayers that don't make sense when you're not actually doing a mass. <laughs> right, right, right. Too funny. Well, well, hey, you know, desperate times calls for desperate measures, right? So yeah, it's. Uh, I I was talking with a friend of ours uh, who will remain anonymous, and she was saying how frustrating it is that her own parish isn't live streaming, uh, like her own Latin mass isn't live streaming, but yet the. Uh, you know, everywhere else seems to be live streaming. Even the, you know, the Novus Ordo parishes are, are live streaming. Like even the most basic, like, you know, rural parishes are starting to learn how to live stream. And it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, feeling that abandonment, you know, yeah. from their own, their own priest. And I'm like, I get that. I get that. So, yeah. But uh, it was it was really nice being able to be able to watch that oratory mass because it was kind of like home because that's I mean we've been doing the going down to Detroit and doing Triduum because our own parish doesn't do Triduum except for Easter Sunday so mm -hmm. we've been going down I don't know for five five years maybe six years now um, at least you know just for for Easter vigil uh, but now I mean for the last few years we've been going for the full triduum and it's been absolutely amazing. Like if you, ha if you haven't done triduum, the entire thing, um, especially in the pre 55, do it, do it. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. And it's only, um, certain groups that can do pre 55 still. Right. Yeah. Is it yeah. like Institute does it? Does FSSP do yeah. it? Yeah. They have access yeah. to do it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure who else has access, but um, okay. yeah, it's, it's great though. And uh, surprisingly, not really because the, uh, the congregation for the doctrine of the faith, like they gave that uh, blanket statement kind of thing of like, this is what you need to do this Easter kind of thing. Um, or this triduum. I don't know if you saw that. I mean, things were like, you can't do the procession with the blessed sacrament to the altar of repose. You can't do um, the washing of the feet. You can't do anything like that. It didn't actually apply, apply to the pre-55 Latin mass. So <laughs> all these pre-55 Latin mass parishes were still doing the procession. They were still um, able to do those cool things, which is great because you don't necessarily need to omit that stuff. You know. Yeah, I don't really. Why would they not do the procession to the altar of repose? Honestly, I think it is just a matter of practicality, because they didn't. Because some places don't have uh, altar servers or things like that. So, 
I think they just gave a blank. I mean, it would have been, yeah, I guess they could have given an option. It's not like they're uh, opposed to options in the Novus Ordo. Want, want, want. Yeah. True that. True that. (laughs) Yeah. But it, uh, it was nice. It was nice being able to see the pre 55, even though, like I said, the, uh, the Institute did the 62 readings in the midst of the pre 55. I was like, I was like, in St. Joseph at St. Joseph, they did. Yeah. Yeah. Not all the Institute. <laughs> no, no, no. Sorry. In, yeah. Institute at St. Joseph. Yeah. yeah. I was like, that's kind it of was... innovative, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I have no idea what, if there's any rules around that stuff, but yeah. Yeah. It was our first time seeing any pre 55 liturgy. Right, Brooke? Yes. Definitely was for me. Like even watching one, I've never actually been to a pre 55 liturgy and it was pretty cool. Yeah. So do you guys want to switch gears? Sure. Okay. Let's switch the gears, shall we? So I want to talk really quickly. Uh, I want to give a few shout outs before we get into the real meat of this podcast. First of all, shout out, huge, huge shout out. I already did this on our Instagram, but I want to do it again here. Dan and Elizabeth, thank you. Thank you for sending the book to us. They sent uh, a copy of John Sr. and the Restoration of Realism. I've already gone through the introduction and like the foreword. Dude, I am so excited about this book. It is, it looks amazing. And yeah, they, they gave it to us with the, with the instruction, like that he wants us to talk about it on the podcast. So yeah, once I'm done it, you guys can can borrow that book. Just make sure you sanitize it. Let's <laughs> <laughs> assume we ever hang out ever again. Oh, we will. Stop it. Two. Shout We're out to wipe down every page. <laughs> <laughs> um shout out to those who uh joined our Chaplet of Our Lady of Sorrows live stream on Good Friday. Brooke, that was great. Did you enjoy that? Yeah. Yeah, it it's was good. fun. We had uh, we had a few friends on there. So again, thank you to those who who come and came and hang out with hung out with us. Um, make sure you know if you're not following us on Instagram or Facebook, please give us a follow there. Um, we're gonna probably be trying to do some more live streams uh, if possible. And uh, yeah, the last the last shout out I want to make here is to our friend i have no who i no idea who this is his name or her name is da pachem uh and they left us a review on our itunes they gave us five stars and they said quote they left this on march 14th so they said quote a labor of love from some enthusiastic young canadian once life teeners now traditional catholics the mental prayer episode in particular is worth checking out. The millennial mannerisms of the hosts may not be to everyone's taste, particularly older listeners, but there's enough good content here to make it worthwhile listening. Yeah. <laughs> millennial mannerisms. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> you can't deny it. Yeah. <laughs> we are who we are. Yeah. Oof. <laughs> Oof. We're Oof. kind of late millennials, right? Yeah. yeah. We're right on Older the cusp, millennials. right? 
Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, if you, uh, if you are listening right now on iTunes, please do us a huge favor if you would and go and leave us a review. We would love to know what your thoughts are. Uh, keep it anonymous. Just go on there and, uh, leave us a review. We'd really appreciate it. So I got another shout out. Oh yeah. Okay. Speaking of live streams, we got to give a shout out to, uh, our buddy who we're going to be live streaming with soon. Uh, Mr. Anthony Stein. Oh yeah. I am so excited. Yes. yes. <laughs> I take full credit for Mike even knowing about Return to Tradition. I don't know if that's true. Did you introduce me to watching yes. this YouTube channel? Yes, I did. I remember. Oh, well, I believe you. Anyways, we're big fans of Return to Tradition. and uh, <laughs> I'm so excited. We're going to be on one of his Sunday live streams coming up in... Is that next Sunday? Yeah, next Sunday. Low Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. Exciting. AKA Divine Mercy Sunday. AKA new calendar. What is it? Yeah. AKA Low Sunday. AKA uh I can't remember what it is. There's another name. Canon Stein mentioned it today. I can't remember what it is. But yeah. I'm telling Canon Stein you weren't paying attention to his homily. <laughs> He'll be like, and who are you? <laughs> yeah. Sorry you didn't listen. <laughs> yeah. So you guys want to switch gears again? Again, yes. Okay. So I wanted, first of all, I don't even know if we're going to get to liturgical breakdown, but we'll try. Um, it's fairly quick. Uh, the collect, right? So, um, but first let's talk about, I call this section divine mercy for modernists. Okay. So. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Okay. Are you ready? <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. I so, thought there was no mercy for modernists. <laughs> listen, just wait. So if you're, doing the divine mercy novena right now i'm not throwing any shade i'm doing it myself okay i'm not throwing any shade at all so but something needs to be said about this and there are some maybe i can make a quick caveat there are some legitimate concerns with the message of divine mercy uh, in terms of saint faustina's diary there are concerns with regards to the image and whatnot all of that aside okay i just specifically want to talk about in particular the fifth day so if you have a divine mercy novena booklet or you're reading it online it will read something like this the and this was a message from supposedly from our lord to saint faustina for this day so Today, bring to me the souls of those who have separated them, themselves from my church and immerse them in the ocean of my mercy. Uh, he goes on to say, during my bitter passion, they tore at my body and heart, that is, my church. As they return to unity with the church, my wounds heal, and in this way they alleviate my passion. Now, all well and good, okay? 
But if you go to the uh, there's the divinemercy.org website, you will notice that there is a little asterisk after uh, where it says the souls of those who have separated themselves from my church. Mm-hmm. If you read the footnote, it says, quote, our Lord's original words here were, quote, heretics and schismatics, end quote, since he spoke to St. Faustina within the context of her times, as the Second Vatican Council Church authorities have seen fit not to use these designations in accordance with the explanation given in the Council's decree on ecumenism. Every pope since the council has reaffirmed that usage. St. Faustina herself, her her heart always in harmony with the mind of the church, most certainly would have agreed. When at one time, because of the decisions of her superiors and father confessor, she was not able to execute our Lord's inspirations and orders, she declared, quote, I will follow your will insofar as you will, Permit me to do so through your representative. O my Jesus, I give priority to the voice of the church over the voice with which you speak to me. End quote. The Lord confirmed her action and praised her for it. So I I just want to point this out. There is, and you and I don't know, Mike, if you have found this and find it refreshing to be able to hear you know, black is black and white is white in the, Mm -hmm. in the traditional Latin mass, but like everything gets so whitewashed in the post conciliar church. It is absolutely insane that the fact that our Lord supposedly said heretics and schismatics, the fact that they didn't want to offend anyone that they had to change that to those who have separated themselves from the church, leaving it incredibly vague. What does that mean? Yeah. But I, I want to juxtapose it with a couple things. One, the prayers of the solemn intercessions on Good Friday, um, because they too received this exact same treatment. So in the pre-55 and I think in the 62, it still reads in the solemn intercessions. It says, let us pray also for heretics and schismatics that our God and Lord may save them from their errors and be pleased to recall them to our Holy Mother, the Catholic and Apostolic Church. In the Novus Ordo solemn intercessions for Good Friday, it doesn't exist at all. The closest you might get in there is for those who do not believe in Christ or for those who do not believe in God, um, but certainly not, or for the unity of Christians, maybe. But again, that that vague kind of approach, again, they're not being specifically yeah. prayed for. I, I am a incredibly, I'm an incredibly strong proponent of be specific when you're praying and, and the church prior to the second Vatican council was incredibly specific. They, they knew exactly who they were praying for and what they were asking. Now they don't even know what to ask for. You know, as an aside, if you see the new 
mass in time of pandemic that was released by the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith or Con- Con- Congregation for Divine Worship. I don't know if you guys have looked at those prayers. We have, yeah. They're, they're completely devoid of even asking for an end to this thing. Completely devoid of it. Not only do they not yeah. want to recognize that this may in fact be God's uh, just punishment, they don't and ask for his mercy for that. Like, they don't even ask for an end to the pandemic. They just ask for healing for the sick. Again, yeah. let's let's be honest. Like, be specific when you pray. The Another pre-55 thing. So, uh, and you will read, it says, Let us pray for the perfidious Jews, that our Lord would withdraw the veil from their hearts, that they also may acknowledge our Lord Jesus Christ. So, <laughs> 1960 comes around, and our good friend who we've made, and I say that as a joke, our friend Bunini, Anabale Bunini, in 1960, approved the changes to the solemn intercessions for Good Friday, and now it reads, quote, Let us pray also for the Jewish people, to whom the Lord our God spoke first, that he may grant them to advance in love of his name and in faithfulness to his covenant. Fun, right? They take the excuse of the word perfidious to yeah. remove the uh, prayer for their conversion. Exactly. exactly. And now we have so many modernists in the church that say, if you say that Jews should convert to Catholicism, that that's anti-Semitism and it's racist. Exactly. You're calling like every saint a racist, FYI. Yep. Um, yep. Um, we should, what does perfidious mean exactly? Do you the, remember? The, the closest definition is treacherous or faithless. But And the idea is those... Jews who didn't accept our Lord are, in that sense, treacherous. Is that kind yeah. of the implication? Because exactly. they didn't accept the Messiah. Yeah, exactly. And they still remain in their unbelief, despite yeah. potentially knowing the truth. They uh, they deny it still. Um, another another change by Anabale Bunini. Um, I had to do some deep diving on this. You will actually find, it's very interesting, I don't know why this is, um, there was a specific change made, uh, a removal in the rite of baptism in the post-55 Roman Missal. Um, in the pre-55, uh, in the rite of baptism for adults, there are specific um, things that the uh, that the catechumen must must declare as part of joining the church. One of those things is if they were part of Judaism. The old the old formula used to say "horeshe judecam perfidium respue hebraicam." Superstitionem. Abhor Jewish perfidy. Renounce the Hebrew superstition. And they would have to say, I do. There was included in all of this 
not just, you know, um, uh, declarations against Talmudic Jewry and the synagogue of Satan. Uh, there was uh, against paganism. They had to abhor, quote unquote, abhor idols and reject their images. They had to abhor Mohammedan perfidy, renounce this evil and faithless sect. If they were part of Protestantism or another heretical sect, they had to abhor the evil of heresy, quote, abhor the evil of heresy and renounce the infinite infamous sect of blank. Um, that was removed in 1959 by, you guessed it, Anna Balbunin. Um, so I, I don't know. I find Antichrist this. Antichrist Right? Right. And and even even too similar uh, similar change was made to the prayer of the militia maculata Saint Maximilian Kolbe. Now no. we're used to saying, "O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us who have recourse to Thee, and for all for those who do not have recourse to Thee, especially the enemies of the Church and all those recommended to Thee." But mm-hmm. the old prayer was, "O Mary, conceived without sin, pray for us." Pray for us who have recourse to thee and for all those who do not have recourse to thee, especially for the Masons and for all those who are commended to thee. So I don't know. I just I wanted to point this out because I think when when we're doing things like praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet, uh, I think it would be a good idea to put back in those words on day five for heretics and schismatics. You know, so today bring to me the souls of heretics and schismatics and immerse them in the ocean of my mercy. Yeah. Our Lord said what he meant. He was capable of saying those who separated themselves from the church, but he did not say that. Yeah. Yeah. I had something I wanted to say on the, specifically on the issue of heretics and schismatics versus um, Christian unity in the intentions. The first thing that strikes me is when we're praying for the unity of Christians, that immediately gives us wiggle room as heretical modernists praying this prayer to think in our hearts, um, yes, we're praying for all Christians to cooperate and be nice to each other and for the Protestants to remain Protestant and be good Protestants. Yep. The, it's not just an updating of the language. It's a complete change of the meaning of the prayer. Mm-hmm. The specificity is taken away, and of, now it's opened to meaning whatever heresy you want to insert into it. Yep. And we know, like even, I don't know if it was proved, but we've heard things about Pope Francis, right, and his... Protestant friends, allegedly, he's said to some of them, don't become Catholic because we need you as friends on the other side. Maybe I should. <laughs> like, I shouldn't mention that without saying it's an accusation and yeah. we don't know if it's true, but, but we, we know have, people have done this, even if Pope Francis himself didn't do it. Well, right? we, ha- we already have him on record saying don't proselytize. So yeah, yeah, and if Pope Francis had said yes, you should become Catholic, that's proselytism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you say no to proselytism, you're not allowed to do anything except be Catholic yourself. 
yeah. which is a contradiction anyway, because being Catholic includes evangelizing through means, including words. <laughs> yeah. Through um, all means. Yeah. I, um, coming back to that whole question about the perfidious Jews, I thought I did, I did some, some deep diving on this today. Um, for the record, if you start looking up that Horishe uh, Uticom Perfidium thing in Google, you get two pages of results and that's it. But if you, so I was surprised, like, why is there very little information on this? Um, I went to Bing and surprisingly five pages of hits. Why? I don't know. Uh, it's almost like they don't want you to hear about the perfidious Jews. That's just me being a conspiracy theorist. But uh, one of the articles... We all know Google is manipulating things. Yeah. That's not even... I mean, that's not even a conspiracy theory at this point. They have been caught manipulating search results in the past. Yeah. No, for sure. There's there's no proof that they're not doing it. Therefore, we know they're doing it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I was reading in this article, which I'll include in the show notes, where it was saying how on Good Friday in 1963, John XXIII underlined, quote, underlined the importance of this decision of the change when the old formulation of the prayer for the Jews was read. So let, let's just put this in context. The change was made in 1960 to the... Uh, to the actual prayers of the the solemn intercessions. Three years later, somebody in the Vatican decides, you know what? Nuh-uh. Let's let's say this anyway, right? And it says here the Pope interrupted the liturgy and asked that the liturgical invocations begin again from the beginning, following the new text. Interesting, right? No. Oh. So he was like, just like, no, don't say that. <laughs> I just found it very interesting. Um, so I, I just, I just really appreciated the pre nineteen fifty five prayer and the general intercessions. I find them far more specific, and <laughs> for intercessions, they're far more intentional in their <laughs> intentions. Yeah. I don't know. That's just that's just my hot take, but I just appreciated that and found and found some similarities there between the changes to the Divine Mercy Chaplet or to the Divine Mercy Novena and uh and the pre-55 changes yeah. or post-55 changes. It's like yeah. the it's like it happened around the same time, right? Um Yeah. So from now on we should uh Referred to him as Perfidious Bunini. Perfidious Bunini. Yep. And those perfidious modernists. <laughs> Which means? Treacherous. Deceitful and untrustworthy, according to Google. That's what perfidious means. Brooke's like, I'm going to write Which that I... down and call Chris in later. <laughs> <laughs> I do kind of wonder, like, why specifically that word when calling out like various groups like you from what you read of the baptismal stuff it was used for various um 
non-Catholic sects, including Jews and Mohammedans. Um, mm-hmm. Was it used for a, the uh, heretics as well? No, it was just used for the uh, video. Yeah, it was just the Jews and the Mohammedans. Yeah. I, w- I wonder if you could find someone like um, like a Mormon or Garanger or someone to explain specifically the meaning and intention behind that word choice. Yeah. Because you're sure not going to get the honest and real intention behind it if you read the modernist reasons for removing it. Exactly. Because exactly. that's just perfidious Bunini at work, completely exactly. untrustworthy. Yeah. The, right. uh, the, the other name, hardcore name, that is used in the, uh, the rite of baptism is nefarious. Because it says, yeah, horishe hariticam previtatam respue nefarias sectas implorium. Oh, sorry, im- yeah. impiorium. Uh, imp- Impiorum. Yeah. Hey, Brooke, you have a job. Google exactly what nefarious means. Because <laughs> I think it's just like evil, something like that, yeah. or having evil intentions, something like that. Uh, yes. Wicked or criminal. Similar words. Wicked, evil, sinful, yeah. iniquitous. Yeah. Yeah. Evil. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Those evil Protestants, right? Those evil heresy is evil. It is, it is, and we need yeah. to call it. We need to call it what it is. I don't know. Yeah. That's just my hot take. Yeah, I'm. Not, I'm not Good a. Talk. I'm not an authority. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for the, thanks for listening to our TED talk today. Um, <laughs> so you guys want to hit that collect in the last few minutes here of the podcast? Pedal to the metal. Yeah, let's do it. In the words of. Uh, Rhett and Link, in one of their most recent videos posted, there's motion in the ocean, and there's thought in the lotion. Okay. Let's see here. A vino. Not a sponsor. (laughs) (laughs) What? So. I don't get it. I don't really get it. I don't know if I want to. Yeah. Uh, So we're talking about, finally... We're getting back into the liturgical breakdown, and we're going to talk about the collect. So, uh, according to Dom Garanger, the Gloria being finished, the priest kisses the altar and, turning towards the people, says, Dominus Vobiscum. He has once already addressed his ministers with this salutation, but he was then at the foot of the altar. It was a sort of farewell, for when he was just about entering into the cloud, he seemed loath to leave the faithful people until he had spoken one word, at least, of affection to them that had been praying together with him. But now the church has a different motive for using these two words, and it is that she may gain the people's attention to the collect which the priest is going to address to God. In other words, to the prayer in which he sums up the desires of the faithful and presents them under the form of a petition. The word collect comes from the Latin colligere, which means to bring together things previously existing apart. You don't say collect, right? Um, The importance of the collect is great. Hence, Holy Mother Church urges us to listen to it with all respect and devotion. According to monastic usage, 
the choir bows down profoundly while the priest recites it. In cathedral chapters, the canons turn towards the altar. Oh, can I interrupt with something? Yes. Okay. Speaking of profound bows, this is a moment when Brooke turned to me and she was like, what are they doing? And it took me a second to realize it at the pre-55 Easter vigil. Mm -hmm. The confidior before communion. Yes. When the deacon bows basically 90 degrees and says the confidior toward the ground and like the deacon and subdeacon are both bowed over yeah. with the priest in the middle. Yep. That was so cool. Not a pre 55 thing for the record that can oh, happen. Really? That can happen in the 62, but according to uh, either the document from Ecclesia day or Samorum, I can't remember but one of the documents says that you're only allowed to have the second confidior if your community has already been making use of it. So communities that are already established that don't have the second confidior are supposedly not allowed to insert it. If you have a new community, yes, you can totally. But it's also it. not in the, or is it in the pre-55? Yes, it is in the pre-55, I'm pretty sure. Like in the in the actual missal? Okay. I think so. Let, so let, let me take a look if it says anything in mine. Yeah. I don't want to get us too no. far off track, but you just reminded me of it with the profound bow. Mm. Yeah, it doesn't say here, in, but but I've got all I've got for mine is um, like I've got just a basic pre-55 missile here. Yeah. And does the Institute normally do it? Yeah. Like the like St. Joseph's okay. Shrine does it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and uh, and and uh, Assumption Grotto does it as well in Detroit. I'm pretty sure. By the way, Brooke and I were talking about this before mass. Where the heck is Assumption Grotto with their live streams? I mean, they've got they've got church militant on like retainer. They they sh they could have those yeah. boys in there and doing doing video for them. Come on, Michael Voris, if you're ever listening to this, get your butt over to Grotto and get some video cameras set up for the for them. Like they're great. I miss them. I miss them. Who knows what the powers that be of Detroit are doing to stop that, though. Yeah. I mean, they've already basically arrested the pastor. Yeah. True. True. Yeah. So um, do you have any thoughts on getting back into liturgical breakdown? Do you have any thoughts on the collect? Yeah. Um, I had one thing I wanted to talk about because I, I have no idea why this changed, but... I wanted to compare two things. Um, one, the Mormon commentary, and then the general instruction of the Roman Missal, if you will allow me to quote. <laughs> please, please proceed. So, uh, Monsignor Mormon first. The number of collects is not the same at all masses. When there are more than one, the second collect begins also with Oremus, and all that follow are joined together without intermediate ending or Oremus. The ending, per dominum nostrum, etc., is then added to the last collect. In this way, the collect of the day is separated from the others and is given a special dignity. The total number of collects, and this is one of the interesting parts, the total number of collects must be an uneven number and never exceed seven. <laughs> the one sig 
<laughs> One signifies God's unity, three his trinity, five Christ's wounds, seven the gifts of the Holy Ghost, and then general instruction on the Ro- of the Roman Missal. For the Novus Ordo. Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> There is always only one collect used in a mass. <laughs> why? Yeah. Yeah. First, I'm really interested in why all this 1357 business, but also why'd they kill all that? Time yeah. made it shorter. Exactly. I'm a jerk. That's what why? I think. No, that's exactly but but that's but that's what they wanted. They wanted streamlining. They wanted to streamline the liturgy. That was Bunini's intention as well, right? That's why he got rid of the unnecessary repetitions, quote unquote, like all this stuff, right? I mean, he just... Yeah, so is this this one of Bunini's prime targets? Like, we can definitely... So what is all this business with 1357? This is obviously uh, a later accretion. Uh, (laughs) Seriously, though. Yeah. Yeah, uh, uh, and I don't know if you've noticed as well. the uh, The institute has been doing, at least through Lent, was doing. I thought it was two, but maybe I'm wrong. Um, I'll have to maybe go back and look. But they've been doing the collect for the Sunday, but then also the collect and the post communion for the uh, mass for uh, time of of pestilence. So they've been doing both. That makes sense. And I've always heard of like, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think you can add a collect um, as like a commemoration when a saint's feast day is yeah. superseded. So you don't say the mass, basically the readings from that feast day, but you just insert a couple of the prayers for that same mm. like collect and post communion, for example. Exactly. And then yeah. stuff like votive masses, like f- for uh, the time of pestilence. Right. Yep. But I, yeah, I always heard of it being like, just add the saints collect to the mass, which would make it two. Yeah. So I was kind of surprised by Mormon saying you can't do two. It's gotta be three. What do you do if you want to commemorate a saint and you need to add a third collect? Is there like a, got to throw another. Yeah. I don't know. Votive intention in there or something. (laughs) Who knows? Right. Like I've, I don't know. I'd love to, I'd love to get, we have to get an actual, you know what? Maybe we'll get father Matt McDonald on this. We'll get him to join us and talk to us about this. I'll write this down. Um, But uh, yeah, no, it's very interesting. Talking about the uh, Oremus, right? If it's a if it's a bishop that's doing the mass, mm-hmm. he doesn't say Oremus. He says Pax Vobis. Did you know that? No. Yeah, I did not. Know and that. Uh, supposedly, it's a it's a very ancient usage. It says here the words uh, are from the Gloria. Right, Pax omnibus bone voluntat- voluntatis, and that's what prompted its being inserted into the mass. Who knew, mm. right? Let's see here. Uh, actually, oh, it says. Thing. Oh, sorry. It says, um, 
they actually, according to um, Dom Gerger, said that there is there is belief that in the early ages of the church, even the priests used that formula of Pax Vobis instead of Oremus. It says here, this is also the case with several of the pontifical ceremonies. So it says here, thus, for instance, every priest used formally to put on the maniple at the moment of his going up to the altar, as a prelate now does. Um, Later on, it was found easier to put it on in the sacristy. This took the place of the ancient practice, which is now reserved for prelates alone. As the va- as the Pax Vobis is suggested by the Gloria, it is not, sorry, not said when the Mass, which is being said, excludes that hymn, in which case the Dominus Vobiscum is substituted. So, during Lent, a prelate would say Dominus Vobiscum. Interesting. Yeah. Any other any other thoughts on the collect? Yeah. The other thing, I guess, is, and again, this is something Mormon mentions: so the priest holds out his hands to the side wide when saying the collect and mormon points out that um it is uh a reference to let me get the scripture verse oh he doesn't actually uh he doesn't actually give the verse for but it's when moses prays with his arms outstretched Mm. right and uh and who was it supporting his hands i forget i can't remember aaron Anyways, they're fighting a battle, and Moses has his arms stretched out, praying yeah. for it might the Israelites be, it might have to been, prevail. Brooks, right. right? It might have been Aaron on one side and Matt on the other. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Miss seriously, I, I think you. Aaron, like just Moses' brother. Aaron? No. Okay. <laughs> <Peace>. <laughs> so, so yeah, um, that's a good guess. I don't know who it was. Yeah. Um. So. According to Dom Garger, with regards to the the Oran's pose that the priest has, uh, he says here that herein the priest imitates the ancient manner of praying used by the first Christians, as our Lord had his arms extended on the cross and so prayed for us. The early Christians had the practice of praying in that same attitude. The ancient usage... Ooh has been transmitted to us in an especially emphatic way by the paintings of the catacombs, which always represents prayer as being made in that attitude, hence the name of Orantes given to those figures. So maybe as a side note here, maybe as a side note, he goes on to say it it is by this means also uh, by the writings of the Holy Fathers that many details regarding the usages of the primitive times have been handed down to memory, which otherwise would have been lost. You know, this practice of praying with outstretched arms is universal. In our Western countries, it has become very rare, and it is only used on special occasions. We might say that publicly, it is only the priest who prays in that attitude, for he represents our Lord, who offered a prayer for infinite of infinite worth, Whilst hanging on the cross, he offered it to his eternal father. So, obviously, you know, uh, there's a reason why trads are so hardcore about not raising your hands in the Oran's pose during Mass, especially at the Our Father, if you attend the Novus Ordo. Don't do it. The priest is, you know, represents Christ at that time, you know, and during the Mass. So he's the only one who should have his hands outstretched. But, but... Here's the caveat, and this is maybe where I might 
make some trads mad. I don't really care. But charismatic so charismatics love to raise their hands when they pray. Um you can read about Saint Jean Vianney, you can read about Saint other saints like Saint Teresa of Avila raising their hands during times of prayer. Saint Peter Julian Amard did the same thing. Was that wrong? I don't think so. You know, the Jews raise their hands when they pray. So outside of the liturgy, I don't think you know, we need to be so hardcore on pri- you know, people raising their hands in a form of private devotion when they pray. The early Christians did it. We've got we've got the proof. <laughs> the proof is in the pudding. The proof is in the walls of the catacombs. Even our lady mm-hmm. raised yeah. her hands when she prayed. Yeah. She wasn't trying to act yeah. like a priest, nor was she trying to do anything like that. She was just imitating our Lord and offering herself in sacrifice. And you can see this even in the religious orders where they'll pray the, like, say, for example, the, the order that um, uh, St. Foncina was a part of. When they pray the Divine Mercy Chaplet, they pray it in cruciform. They kneel with their arms outstretched. It's not they're trying to be priests. They're just, you know, praying with their arms outstretched because that's an ancient practice that that's yeah. in the church. What about holding hands? When did that practice happen during the Our Father? I, I think your mom invented it. <laughs> <laughs> did it, did did it, did it. kidding. No, but. <laughs> <laughs> but no. No, that's legitimately. Life Dean. A, a Protestant, like evangelical thing that crept into Catholicism, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Right at the time of the hippies, for sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, you always you always get that pause where it's like, uh oh, there's someone going into a rant. Oh no, there is someone reaching for my head. <laughs> Run away. Now it's but gonna be even more so like that. Like after this whole thing, like coronavirus and whatnot passes. Yeah. I hope that this just brings air take your hand. Yeah. I hope it I hope the death knell has been sounded against hand holding in mass. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It'll be great. It'll be great. If anything, that'll be one abuse that can be stopped. Uh, yeah. If people will be too scared. Sorry. Yeah. That was complete. That's true. <laughs> like a slight derail. <laughs> Not really. I, I was going to say, just as a, a personal aside, back in like life teen days when I was first like praying the rosary and stuff. Yeah. That was a thing that I spontaneously started doing just um, when praying the uh, sorrowful mysteries, especially when meditating on the crucifixion. I started doing that, like praying with my arms out, just almost like in solidarity with what I'm yeah. meditating on. Um, and I think it's a natural thing that would occur to many people mm-hmm. and obviously like from what you've just read it's a thing that naturally arose in the early church so there i i didn't know about the early church but i did that when i first learned the rosary yeah so it just seemed appropriate yeah. i didn't know what i was doing um, <laughs> here's a question now it says in the germ that um it's the priest. Have you guys ever seen a deacon do the collect before? No. No? Okay. 
it's been a long time since I've gone to a Novus Ordo mass. So I was like, I want, have I ever seen a deacon do the collect? I don't know if that's something. So. Okay. That's good. Obviously collects have like they you'll see it in the Novus Ordo. You'll see it in the, the traditional Latin mass. You'll see it in the ordinariate. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, would we see it anywhere else? We couldn't necessarily find a specific part in the divine liturgy. That's what you're asking. But again, we're not experts in the divine liturgy. So if we're wrong, please correct. We were talking about this weeks ago. Yep. The great synopte, according to a few sources, including Wikipedia, the synopte in the divine liturgy is a parallel to the collect in, uh, in the West. And it's basically a set of um, intentions at the beginning of the divine liturgy. It, see, it seems logical, though, that it would be called synopte, right? Like a synopsis, like a compiling of thought, you know, kind of like what the collect is, right? It's collecting our intentions yeah. and our, our focuses for that liturgy. Yeah. It's basically the first thing that the priest says in the divine liturgy almost. So it's the part that begins, let us pray to the Lord for that peace, which is from above and the safekeeping of our souls. Lord have mercy. Let us pray to the Lord for the peace of the whole world. And they have a bunch of intentions. Lord have mercy after each one. Anyways, that is the uh, Eastern parallel to the collect. We'll send that video to you. It does not vary seasonally, though. That's very cool. Excellent. I like it. So to end this podcast, we've decided to bring back a most valued guest, part of the it's team. Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Aaron. Hi, guys. <laughs> Where's my whiskey? And uh, no luminous chaplets here, okay? <laughs> Uh, we brought Julie back to the podcast. Yay. Hi, everybody. I've missed you. I've missed Yay. being on the podcast. Um, Hi, Julie. I missed you, too. Hello, Michael and Brooke. Hi, little, Julie. Little John is not sleeping, but I have him in a wrap, and he's just looking around, you know, mm-hmm. having some quiet time. So, hey, works for me. We're glad you're here. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. We just we just basically have come to the end of the podcast. So. Oh, perfect time for me to uh, enter in. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we'll get you to do our post roll. I'm just kidding. Don't do it. All I have to say is, stay trotty. Right? <laughs> <laughs> did you talk about that divine mercy thing? Yes, I did. I don't even know it, but whatever you were talking about. Yeah. yeah. They changed it from... Heretics and schismatics, which is what our Lord actually said, according to St. Faustina, to those who have separated themselves from the church. Oh. Yeah. Because so I, after I, Vatican II, we I don't see heretics and schismatics anymore. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Welcome to Vatican II. The best changes that ever happened. Wrong. Mm-hmm. Not true. These changes brought to you by Mickey Mouse. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> and the perfidious Bunini. And the perfidious Bunini, for sure. By the way, Brooke and I just shared a look when they did that Itami Sast. Because we were just like, uh, Father Graham. Ew. It's the melody, right? He used to always do that. And he would be like, <laughs> and also at our home dry mess, I did that eating me sass this morning. Did you? Nice. Nice. Yeah. All right. Well, shall we end the podcast here, guys? Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Okay. Well, Julie, thanks for coming in for the last few minutes. Well, you're welcome. Hopefully I can join for a longer time in future podcasts. Mm. But we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. We're working on it. Yeah. So thanks to everybody for listening to today's podcast. We're really glad you joined us. If you've not yet, uh, we would love for you to subscribe to us. On Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen. Uh, to great podcasts. Uh, if you are a fan of social media, Please, again, we'd love for you to give us a follow. Just look up Theology of the Buddy. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Um, or if you'd like to give us a shout via email, you can head over. Uh, you can email us at theologyofthebuddy at gmail.com. All of our show notes and uh, all of our past podcasts can be found at theologyofthebuddy.com. Next week, we have a very special surprise guest um, that... I think you guys are going to absolutely love. She has an incredible story. And so we're, uh, we're really looking forward to having her on the podcast. So um, watch our social media um, for hints of who's, who's joining. You may already know if you follow us and you've been following our stories on Instagram. Uh, but yeah, so uh, definitely make sure you're subscribed so you'll know when that episode comes out. Uh, our new episodes are released every Wednesday. So, the podcast is over. Alleluia. Alleluia. Stay trendy. Alleluia.